You're listening to Wood Talk Online with your hosts, Mark and Matt. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 16 for August 31st, 2007. I'm Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt Vanderlist. And as always, if you want to contact us because you got a great question, maybe some feedback, just want to get our address to send us more free stuff, yeah. all that fun stuff, you can contact <laughs> us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can even pick up your regular old phone you have and call us on our voicemail number, which is 623-242-2450. And as always, we'll make sure that we have it posted in the show notes so you can easily find it because, well, we love to hear from everybody. Yes, call now. Anyway, so what's going on in the shop with you, Matt? Oh, man. It's, you know, it's where the, the, the summer's coming to a draw. Are you, you know, even it's, getting it's in the shop? What's that? Are you getting in the shop? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I get a chance to, you know, it, it's been so crazy around here that once again, uh, I think there's so much dust in my shop, but it has nothing to do with sawdust. It's just the fact that it's been so <laughs> inactive. <laughs> it's just poor, unused tools sitting there crying. It is. You know, and I, I swear I can hear like this little sob every now and then when I walk past it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I have been, I finally, I started this desk for my daughter somewhere around um, I'm going to say May and I'm nice. almost done with it. School starts, uh, in a, in a few day, a few more days and I promised her I would have it all done. So now it's like, I'm, I'm just busting butt to get this damn thing done for her. <laughs> then I, I know for a fact she won't use it, but still it'll sit in her, nice. her room and it'll look really nice. So it's, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to getting a chance to do that. So oh, how about you? Cool. you? You got anything going on? Uh, just keeping busy. I'm on the, uh, just finishing up well, I would say my last two projects for this big uh, armoire series that <laughs> seems to be continual. Not um, the armoire. The armoires. <laughs> no. Yeah. Every, every. I mean, the show's what every like two weeks, and every single time I'm talking about the same damn project. <laughs> um, but it's it. We're just finishing it up right now. Uh, you know, I've never made. I've never used so much Wengi in one single project. It's it's really quite amazing, especially when you put a coat of tongue oil on it. It just really turns this like jet black chocolatey color. It's it's Ooh. pretty wild. So wow. I'll I'll be posting some pictures at some point. But it's a, a fantastic little project. I also for the first time got to use my circular saw to cut some sheet metal. Some um, sheet metal. <laughs> yeah the the front of these doors have a decorative sheet metal that's like a textured metal. Uh, and it's it's basically it's steel and very thin sheet, but still a thin sheet of steel is is nothing to to scoff at. That you you know you have to take precautions when cutting it. So uh, I basically had a metal cutting blade, carbide tip blade in the circular saw. Got my old Porter Cable circular saw because there's no way in hell I'm using the Festool for that. <laughs> and uh, even though it might have made my life a little bit easier, it was just a scary thing. So. Had my little clamping straight edge and, and uh, had to make four cuts, and whew, that was a nightmare. I just – it just was not a comfortable thing. Like, you, you know, when you just do those uh, parts of a project that you are unfamiliar to you and just feel a little bit da more dangerous than you're comfortable with, but you got to do what you got to do, and I took all the precautions I could and, and cut that thing up, and those get applied uh, to a three-quarter inch plywood backing to become the doers for this armoire. So it's Holy it's a pretty God. unique uh, unique project. 
Oh man, how how, how many sparks? I mean, did you like? Was there like stuff flying everywhere? I mean, it, it was just. <laughs> I felt like a welder. I mean, it was the, they were shooting all over the place, and you know, in a wood shop when there's dust laying everywhere, you you got to be a little bit concerned about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so they, there was a lot of sparks, and I the first time I did it, I had the sheet metal on a backing piece of uh, plywood. And I think I had the blade depth a little bit too deep because it was going into the ply and I was going so slow and those blades aren't meant to cut wood that the burning was just, I mean, I had smoke in the shop all day. So, oh, man. <laughs> you know, hey, sometimes we're all novices at, at something at some point, you know. <laughs> oh, so. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, anytime I've had to do something, I mean, even if I have to, like, drill holes in, like, a piece of, like, straight, you know, straight metal or something, or, like, straight steel or something when I'm going to yeah. reinforce something, that it makes me so nervous. I just, I, I and it's so funny because it has to be the fact that we're not working with the material that we're that used to. I mean, I exactly. could never be a welder. So there's just no way in the world. That's just that's insane. <laughs> yeah, uh, metal is just beyond my comfort zone. I mean, I use it when I have to, and I try to incorporate it into projects here and there just to do something different. But definitely beyond my uh, my comfort zone. And oh, and uh, completely off topic because it's not related to woodworking. But um, I have been for years just a huge fan of barbecue and eating barbecue and pretending that I know how to cook barbecue, but <laughs> doing the best I could. And um, we are doing a whole backyard renovation. And, you know, my, my dream setup would be to have one of those really nice islands with a, uh, you know, kick butt built in grill that I could just, you know, throw a half a pig on and, and, you know, cook that thing up. Oh yeah. So uh, in, in sort of preempting the actual work being done in the back, I was able to pick up a, a new grill. And Ooh. I got this big, giant, way more grill than I would ever need. But that's just kind of the way I do things. <laughs> that, uh, that's the way it should always be done. Always plan <laughs> for the, you know, when you know for a fact that you're going to have the giant pig and everything, even yeah. if it's always just going to be you and Nicole. <laughs> well, you know, hey, when I have the next neighborhood luau, you know, I'll be set. There you go. Uh, so it's it's a big old five burner unit that I, I can't, I just, I don't like I said, the hilarious thing is 90% of the time, it's going to be two little beef patties, you know, <laughs> on, on the left-hand side of the grill being cooked for Nicole and I. So. <laughs> you light up all five burners for two weenies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just for two hot dogs. And, yeah, so it, it's, it sits back in the backyard, and I go out there and wax it once in a while, and, and I, you know, put my cheek up against it and give it a little kiss. Um, but, you know, it's it's funny. It's just one of those things that I'm I'm kind of obsessed with it now, just like, you know, woodworking has always been for me. I can't get enough of watching, you know, barbecue shows and, and reading about it in forums. It's so much like woodworking. It's hilarious, but um, <laughs> well, see, it's it's great. So you're going to be the, the grill whisperer pretty soon, huh? Yeah, I'm, spin-off I'm, show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm the grill master now. Uh, well, actually, we're the, with some mesquite wood, and we're going to take the fragments. We're going to use that for. Yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got plenty of uh, of smoking wood now. That's that's no problem at all. Um, in fact, and I don't really want to say too much, I'm not going to say the full name, but I will say that we are working on a little side project, which will be Nicole's um, little podcast that she Ooh. wants to do in the future. And it's going to be a little video show uh, about, um, well, I don't really want to say what it's about because what it's about is the name and the okay. uh, the web address. But it's it's a little how-to show about all the other crap that Nicole and I, you know, we're kind of jack-of-all-trades people. It's about all the other crap that we try to get into 
And, okay. And just little how-to tips on things that we do. So whether, you know, things ranging from home theater to, of course, barbecue and some of Nicole's favorite recipes and, um, you know, how to set up a wireless internet uh uh, network in your house and you know little things like that so sweet should be fun i let the cat out of the bag but uh, yeah but we'll... you, you, we still you haven't told the name or anything so that's yeah. kind of you're kind of containing well you're, you're controlling the damage before it gets bad so we'll just say maybe <laughs> yeah. just keep a lookout and you'll get more information later on <laughs> definitely definitely so sweet well, i think we could probably move right oh well before we go too far we will be announcing and drawing the uh the winner of the uh Highland Woodworking Bandsaw Blade uh, little contest we're having here at the end That's of the show. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, we got a lot of entries for the Wood Slicer Blade. Mm. And so one lucky winner is going to be getting this. And, you know, as I've mentioned before on my show, you could easily, you know, fast forward to the end of the show to find out if you're the winner. But who well, wants to that. ruin all the fun? Yeah, exactly. So if don't you have that. one of those spoil sports and you have to do it, well, you're just going to miss out on the rest of the stuff. So we'll see you later. Yeah, we'll mess you up. That's right. All right. So let's jump into some emails here, Matt. You want to Yeah, uh, let's get started here. One? Sure. We have uh, Hey Masters of All That's Geeky and Woody. Oh, Amen that, uh, to that. Yeah, a.k.a. Matt and Mark are Mark and Matt. There seems to be some favoritism from a few callers. I, I haven't really noticed. Well, maybe nope. I did. Me neither. No, anyways, though, I so um, uh, I finally <laughs> broke down and I tuned up uh, and you know and cleaned up his uh, my table saw this weekend. And I'll admit the desperation drove me to it as I was having a really hard time raising and lowering the blade height. That's usually one of the first things that tip, you know tips me off that it's time to start doing something with my table saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see here. Uh, turns out some sawdust or other gunk had gotten into the riser. I have no idea how that happened as I certainly don't get to use my saw as often as I would like. Wink, wink. Uh, so my question relates to how properly how to properly lubricate the riser screw. I know in Mark's podcast he said uh, to use the T9 stuff. Not having any on hand, I started working with some silicone spray. Uh, this worked just dandy uh, until the silicone dried. Then I was back to the misery and desperation that led me to clean it in the first place. I resorted to the handyman's friend, WD-40. It worked like a charm, and the blade moves up and down just like it did when brand new. However, I know that uh, WD-40 is the equivalent of a magnet for wood dust. Um, Yeah, I think we've mentioned that before. Um, What can I or should I use to get the WD-40 off and better lubricate the riser screw? Should I pick up the spray bottle of the T9 and hope it can displace the WD-40? I haven't yet had a chance to try the saw out as I was busy boring a hole in concrete for a new electrical outlet. Hey, that's almost kind of along the line of you in the metal. Yeah, yeah, that's another job I wouldn't want to do. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like all of us woodworkers are kind of expanding our traits. So yeah, apparently. Anyway, so it's, uh, it says it uh, followed up with, uh, it's still nice and clean and saturated in WD-40. Many thanks, Glenn. Uh, and let's see here. P.S. As always, love the show. You're both the greatest. People who favor one host or the other are just lame. Keep up the good work, blah, 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 blah. Well, thank you, Glenn. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So let's see here. WD-40, he's got it on there, um, and uh, should just pick up the spray bottle, the T9, and hope it can displace the WD-40. You know, my experience, I've, I haven't used WD-40, and I, I don't know when, so I've always had the T9. But I, I, I can't imagine that not having a problem just simply applying the, the, the T9. I, I mean, WD-40 is going to evaporate anyway, so there's not mm-hmm. going to be much left. So if there is anything, you're just kind of left with a little bit of the residue. Right. And you know that's what maybe is going to clog up the 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 wood dust and everything. So sure. I, I I say just go for it, Glenn. Just go ahead and spray the T9 and let that take care of it. But I'm going to warn you ahead of time that even with the T9, it does a great job of doing it. But I still 
and maybe it's because I create a lot of sawdust or I just have a really crappy dust collection system and it's not pulling the sawdust out of the way. But I still occasionally will get a lot of dust built up in there. But as always, as we've mentioned before, the T9 for me has definitely worked really great in minimizing or yeah, minimizing my return of having to constantly keep coming back and doing it over and over and over. Sure. So that that's my main thing with it. That and I used to use it on my mountain bikes all the time and it kept the mud away too. So oh, good deal. Um just to clarify, I don't think I I think you may have gotten us mixed up because I don't think I've ever recommended using T nine in inside the interior parts of the saw. Okay. Um I've yeah. never done it, so I wouldn't have recommended it. But um <laughs> I can't say it's a bad idea. I mean the stuff is, you know, very greasy and gooey. Uh, here's the thing that I, the problem that I have, you've got two choices. You're either going to put something wet and wet is going to attract dust. Mm -hmm. You know, even the T9 will still attract dust. It may not be as bad as WD-40 or, uh, like a white lithium grease or something, but it will all still collect dust. Uh, the only other option would be to go dry. And if you do some sort of a dry lubricant, it's not as lubricated. It's not as smooth of an action, but you don't have nearly as much of a problem with dust. So I sort of made that decision a while ago to forego any of the wet stuff. I don't use that anymore at all. I use a spray dry lubricant, and uh, it, it definitely, again, it doesn't, you know, it's not going to glide on its own like it does when it's freshly lubricated with uh, WD-40 or T9 or whatever, or even, uh, you know, the lithium grease, but it's more consistent throughout the life of the saw. So, um what I do, and you know, if it gets really messed up or if it's got manufacturer's grease on there, I will get a bit of uh, mineral spirits or okay. naphtha and maybe a toothbrush or an acid brush, and I'll actually clean everything out of those gears, get all the sawdust out of there, uh, clean off the screw, make sure everything's nice and clean, and then apply once that evaporates. Excuse me. Then I would apply a, a dry spray lubricant uh, to the entire thing, give it a few turns, and you know, I use the same thing on my. Uh, my jet clamps, you know, and the screws on those clamps, and it works really, really well. Um, like I said, the one thing I like to avoid is the wet stuff. I'm just, I'm just tired of having to clean up, you know, that that gook that develops in there <laughs> after like, you know, one one or two weeks of doing some woodworking. Yeah, it's almost like a uh, bread dough. After a while, it really becomes. I wonder if you could take it out and bake it. That'd probably yeah, be pretty disgusting. Uh, delicious. Yeah, it is some nasty stuff, and it really what a pain when it really gets gooked in there, and you're trying to crank up. Yeah, you know, it's just no fun. So when you know because it's dry now, all I have to do really is just get a little compressed air and. Psh, psh, you know, and then maybe every couple of months add a little bit more of the lubricant. So, just, right. you know, just the way I do it. But obviously we, we both do different ways and uh, they both work well for us. So, yeah. You know, the one thing I'm thinking is um, there was a, a product and I'm having to see I'm flashing back to my mountain biking days. And if anybody's seen pictures of me lately, it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a stuff I used to use. And it, I think it's kind of along the line of the that dry lubricant that you're talking about. And yeah. it was uh, it was called white lightning. And this stuff was you had to drip it on. But it actually was like a wax that formed on it and this stuff like i i could go through the the muddiest you know potholes all over the place and the mud never stuck to my my chain and therefore it never stuck to any of my gears and it it washed off really easy and it was dead dry and i'm almost wondering if that stuff would work i should see if i could if i could find some and then report back to everybody if it worked yeah and you know and then the other one is i'm wondering yeah, I wonder if anybody has, like, if we could, like, where the actual uh, rise as the screw kind of goes through and it's working. I wonder if we could hook up, like, a like a little brush to it so that it, knock, it knocks the, the wood stuff out of the way, uh, the sawdust and everything, before it actually goes through and gunks it up. Hey, that's a good idea. Huh. You, need to, you need to work on that and patent it, dude. Yeah, that's you great. know what? We, 
erase everything I just said until I uh, patent that. <laughs> Let me edit that out of the show for you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, well, kind of like a bandsaw has the uh, little tire brush on it on some models, or you could add that on your on your saw just to keep that tire clean. That's a that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, man. Hey, wow, you're the man, you're the man. Wow, that that never happened before. <laughs> I've, I've never had an idea. It's amazing. Oh, oh my head hurts. Oh crap! <laughs> All right. Well, we actually do have a voicemail. The first person to leave a voicemail on our brand new fancy shiny phone number voicemail dealy whacker. Nice. Uh, so uh, this actually is a voicemail from Sed. So uh, let's hear what Sed has to. What he said. said? What Sed said. <laughs> hey guys, this is Sed. I want to let you know my ears are bleeding. Just went through a 15-hour marathon of all the Wood Talk Online episodes. I got to tell you, it actually was a pleasure. Appreciate all your guys' hard work. On to my question. I want to know what your experience is with doing uh, carving using power tools. I know Mark mentioned he doesn't use his Dremel much. But I know there's a lot of various other tools out there. I know there's an Arbitech blade that's used by some. And just kind of want to get your guys' experiences. Anyway, have a great week. Thanks. Bye. Okay, so Sed's asking about power carving. And he specifically mentioned the Arbitech. Um, there's a number of ways you can you know, accomplish the whole power carving thing. Have you uh, even had a chance to do any power carving at all, Matt? Um, any interest? No, I've, I, you know, I've looked at it and I have actually, you know, seen some tools and stuff, but, and I, I right. picked them up once, but no, I'm, 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 I'm afraid. No, no, not th- at this point. I, it's something I think would be way too dangerous for these hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something that's a little bit intimidating when you see it first, because I know for me, I'm not, I don't consider myself much of an artist per se, or having that ability to make a circle without a template, you know, that, <laughs> that type of uh, an eye, but the way that I do it is pretty systematic. So I'm, I'm able to, you know, make some gentle curves and things like that using these uh, power tool methods. But anyway, to get back on, on target, he asked about the Arbortech blade for those who don't know, that's like, it fits on a little, um, where are they? Little five inch grinders. Yeah. I think it's five inch, right? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, um, you know, you can outfit that on a grinder and it's basically like a three tooth circular saw blade. And it's this little tiny blade with these big honking uh, carbide teeth on it that will just tear the hell out of a piece of wood. Um, it's extremely aggressive, and needless to say, in a die grinder, you know, you, or I'm sorry, that's the next topic. In the, uh, uh, you know, standard five-inch grinder, you really have to be careful with this, and you could really move a lot of wood in a hurry. So the Arbortech is a great option. I use that all the time. It's, um, you know, it's usually step one, I would say, in my grinding process. It's, it's okay. good for rough grinding not going to do my finish stuff with that. So I basically rough out whatever the shape is using that tool. Okay. Um, then after that, I would follow up with a 7-inch. Specifically, I use the DeWalt 7-inch polisher. Okay. And I've outfitted that with a sanding pad. So oh. it's kind of flexible. And, you know, at 7 inches, you've got a nice diameter. So I can use that to now go after I rough uh, everything up with the Arbortech. I can go back through with, with that guy and smooth everything out and sort of, you know, if I'm making some general, you know, nice uh, clean curves and long curves, I can kind of feather everything out and get it a lot more smooth. And then from that point, I move on to my standard five and six inch random orbit sanders. 
Um, but now recently, I've been trying a few different things. I've been using the Festool RAS one fifteen. It is looks like a uh, it looks like a five inch grinder. You know, I keep saying five inch, and I don't know if it's <laughs> well five it inch. Is. That's not that big. I mean, that's that that sounds about right. I mean, it just it's a standard grinder. That that's all it is. I just don't okay. know if the standard one is five. I just whatever. Anyways, but this thing looks like a grinder, and it's not. It's actually a very very aggressive sander. So that's kind of a cool option. Uh, you're going to make a, a whole lot of a mess, but it's it's well worth it. You could really hog through some wood with that thing too. And I would say the only other thing that I really use when it comes to these, you know, uh, power tool carving methods is, and I brought it up earlier, a die grinder. Okay, so you could find one, you know, that's air-powered uh, pneumatic die grinders. They're really cheap. I've got a little plug-in electric, um, I think it's Makita. And it's got a uh, quarter-inch um, arbor in there, and you actually or you would use a quarter-inch bit. I'm sorry to go into the tool, kind of like a router bit, except for the the heads on the bits are just very very aggressive, and you you can get like a little ball mill or a flame-tipped mill and do a lot of detail carving with those things. You you know that I don't do that very often, but that's certainly an option for you. But the power carving is a very fun thing. It's uh, it's something that if you just get some scrap wood, get a couple of these tools in hand, and just have at it and see see what kind of things you can create with it. It's pretty cool. Sweet. Now, uh, now when you do your uh, your power carving, are you one of these people who – one of these people, one of these uh, artists who, like, says, I'm just going to follow the natural grain and let the – I'm going to create what the wood wants to be. Or do you have uh, something in mind when you go for it? <laughs> I see a block of wood, and then after I cut it, I see a cut – block of wood (laughs) yeah Um, yeah, i don't i don't really have i really really envy the people who say that they see the like they basically see the design already they just have to remove the wood that doesn't belong there yeah (laughs) you know and that and i know i are you crazy dude i i draw lines on it you know to dictate where i need to cut to and then i smooth everything to that line um, not, I definitely would not say I have an artistic method. I'm more of a, uh, you know, Neanderthal hacker <laughs> method than anything else. Yeah. After all, that's what I have the tools for is I'm going to make it be what I want it to be. Yeah, <laughs> There's no yeah. getting around it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so amazed by like with, with the carvers and stuff. I have a, have a friend who her little brother and uh, actually it was her father too. They're these guys that will make like those, uh, the, the bird decoys and they, they, then uh, they put them into competition and it's just, oh, no kidding. It, it's insane. The stuff they come up with and the things they do and the detail they get in there, you know, and I just, I'm like looking at it. I'm like, there's no way in the world. I, I just, I don't have, I don't even think I have that patience for that. I'd be like, you know, that's no. it. If the bird can't see it. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's just so much you could do with this stuff, and I've barely dipped my toes in the water. You know, I, I like I said, I, I do things that if you had a router bit big enough to do it, like a, a very large round over or let's say a, a scoop out for a uh, maybe a seat, you know, for a chair or something like that, those are the things that I tend to do my power carving with or curved legs on a, a unique curved leg on a table for compound curves. That's the stuff I use those tools for. I'm not much of a, I don't know what you would call it, but I'm not making like little faces in logs, you know, like right. little tree dudes or anything like that. <laughs> so, it's a little tree gnome. <laughs> yeah, a little tree gnome. Yeah, I'm not making tree gnomes. So. Yeah, you should have seen it when it was a uh, a 40-foot uh, piece of uh, oak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, sweet. All right, well, let's move on to another email here. And um, – this one is more more kind of like our feedback because as always we love to get some feedback from everybody and you know sure. on, on what we've talked about in the past and this is one that definitely keeps coming up but it's I think the, the underlying 
feedback that we're getting is obviously it's it's one about safety. Yeah. So let's well, go ahead. Oh. It's worth mentioning just because so many people want to know about this tool and we get so many questions about it. It's you know worthwhile to read someone's experience. Exactly. So let's go ahead and get right into this. Basically, this is from Josh, and he's saying, you know, he's responding to episode five regarding the – this probably we should have like a drum roll or something – the saw stop saw. I'm sure everybody remembers when this one came up. We had, we pretty much <laughs> hit a, a hornet's nest is putting it politely. <laughs> yep, we sure did. So anyways, he says uh, – Josh says he's worked professionally in the door and millwork industry for about 12 years. And in that time, he's you know seen or heard of about six people maybe cutting off fingers due to a table saw blade. And uh, he also says that during you know woodworking projects at home on the weekend, uh, more or less you know as he slid a piece of wood through the saw at around a four inch rip, somehow he ended up to tap his uh, his thumb and before it registered to pull his hand away, and he says that he had completely passed over the blade. Fortunately for Josh, he says it was always he always puts the blade about a sixteenth of an inch taller than the actual cut that he's making. And in addition, I always put my left hand down in my back pocket, and my right pinky always hooks the fence rail to avoid making little sausages on the cast iron with my fingertips. And this is where I, myself, my personal experience, Matt's personal experience, this is where I have that stupid little catchy phrase, uh, at least catchy in my own mind, the uh, fingers and thumbs don't be dumb. And I, I sing it to myself as I'm doing this. My family laughs, <laughs> at it because I sing it out loud. It's really hey, scary. Whatever it takes. That's right. So anyways, though, uh, Josh is saying that you know he created a paper cut depth uh, cut on his thumb and uh, a very glaring reminder uh, um, that he's no different than anybody else who could have major accidents. Now, you only have to see this once to be persuaded into extreme caution on the table saw. This gives me the incentive I needed to think about saw stop as a viable option. Now, Mark and I, you and I talked about this before as we were getting ready to do the show, and really neat because he did the one thing that we were talking about, which is he looked at other tools. So right. Josh goes on to say that he looked at over the Powermatic 2000, he looked at General, he looked at the Delta Unisaw and the Jet top-of-the-line saws and the 5-horsepower, 230-volt single-phase options. Wow, a lot of detail. Uh, mm -hmm. But he was basically saying how he was looking at these, but he decided to buy the saw stop saw that's similar to these you know, uh, overall. The quality of the saw uh, – of this saw surpassed all the others in the cat in this category in his own opinion. Uh, heavy duty trunnion, internal bearings, oversized cast iron table in depth and width, extremely friendly uh, collection system. You kind of get the idea. It's all the options that it has on there. It's, he felt were very you know comparable to it. Sure. And uh, let's see here. And what he realizes is that Jet, Powermatic, and Delta were pretty much offering the same saw with slight variations. Now, he said he would not have purchased this saw just for the nifty trick of keeping fingers around. Uh, I wanted to buy the best saw in that price range, and it just happened to be that he feels that he got the finger hand protection by picking the best quality tool. And this is worth every penny with incredible customer service, attention detail, user's manual, and overall heavy-duty caliber. And then he ends the, this comment as saying, as a side story, the manager of our overall millwork department just purchased three of these for our shop after two people at the shop were injured a few months – well, a few months apart from each other. One saw stop actually was activated on accident by an employee while cutting. The damage was the size of a paper cut, and the blade did exactly what it was supposed to do. It stopped, and it disappeared into the housing unit in less than a few milliseconds. $75 for a new cartridge, $75 for a new blade, $0.25 for a small bandage, and we are cutting again. And then he also finishes the comment by saying that his buddy recently spent approximately – and this is a good comparison to the $75 for the cartridge, $75 for the blade, and 25 cents for a small bandage. <laughs> mm -hmm. His buddy just recently spent $20,000 in surgery bills 
and about $10,000 in physical therapy for his table saw experience. Ooh, so that's wow. definitely, those are, those are some big numbers. And yeah. I, I think Josh did a great job of, you know, he, of comparing everything. And as we said, you know, we, we love getting feedback. If you, if you don't agree with us on something or you, you want to elaborate a little bit more, by all means do it. And I, I think Josh did a, a great job here. I, no, it's, it's, it's good to hear somebody that goes through that decision-making process. Um, and the fact that through his research, he, he saw that the, uh, you know, saw stop had the best offering in that category. So, um, thank you for the comment, Josh. I think yeah, that's great. Absolutely. 100%. Okay, well, yeah, definitely. All right. Moving on. We're going to hear from Doug in Memphis. Ooh, Hey, they got good barbecue down there. I was just about to say we're on the topic <laughs> of barbecue. Doug, hook us up. Give me a recipe or something, man. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Doug says, gentlemen, in February, my wife and I bought a house that includes a 20, excuse the phone, but 20 by 30 outbuilding, which I've spent the past few months converting into a wood shop. The shop is, quote unquote, uh, cooled by a weak, a weak window AC unit and two crappy fans that desperately <laughs> need help, uh, given the wave of 100 plus degree heat that has descended on the south this summer. It's so bad that I've avoided the shop for weeks now, and I'm getting pretty anxious to get back in there. Hey, I know how you feel. Yeah. While brainstorming, I remembered a childhood neighbor who wired a home-sized AC blower in his shop, and it did a great job circulating the air without actual AC cooling. My shop is wired for 110, and I'm looking for different, uh, normal, and unorthodox solutions beyond the larger window unit. Aside from the common sense stuff, what am I missing? Mark, considering your uh, home climate... I'm sure you have experience with this problem. Hopefully, you guys can talk through in an upcoming podcast, which we are. Yeah. Thanks, and uh, keep up the, the great work, Doug. Well, you know, the thing about that is I do have to deal with this, uh, and I did deal with it, and I got an, a an AC unit put on the roof just because you can only do so much with blowing air. And, you know, the bottom line is he's in Tennessee. Now, if I remember correctly, summers are pretty humid in Tennessee. Uh, yeah. So... He's not going to have the same type of options that I have, at least in Arizona, because the uh, humidity is so low, we can use those swamp coolers to cool the shop and not have any adverse effects of uh, built up moisture in the shop itself. He doesn't really have that option. He, I, I mean, what are your options? And, you know, people have been trying to work in heat for years, and, and unfortunately there isn't a whole lot you can do creatively that is effective or will provide any relief. So it's... You know, as far as I can see, a good fan. Bottom line, air movement feels good, cools the skin, dries your sweat, cools you off a little bit. But there's just nothing like air conditioning pulling out the moisture and lowering the temperature in the shop. There's just – I don't really know of any other better way or creative or unorthodox way to really cool things down. I mean, what – Sam's Club has uh, those big giant fans. I mean, get, get a <laughs> – big ass fan in there and blow some air around and see if that helps because obviously it's going to be a lot cheaper than an ac unit right definitely I mean, what else can you do you know yeah and it's, it's not like you could maybe move it into the basement because well you don't have a basement perhaps right. uh, yeah oh put a big hill on either side and make it a basement there you go that's yeah. an option there you or, go or he could simply just buy a giant block of ice 
and put a fan behind it and uh, cool the shop that way. Oh, I like that. Or we get hire people to just simply do the fans. <laughs> there you go. That's an idea too. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Oh man, it's you know, in Michigan has very humid summers also. Probably not as bad as Tennessee, although yeah. for a Michigander, it definitely feels like it is. But yeah, there, there's been many a times that we've actually turned off the air and you know, oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna shut it down for a little bit, and it, it's it. Even in the basement, it is so humid and it's almost it's muggy. There's no other word for it, and you know I can even see the wood just start swelling as much as I'm swelling. So it's it's insane. It's soupy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, growing up on the East Coast, I didn't do any woodworking out there, but I'm I'm kind of glad I have the opposite problem. It's it's almost you know too dry in Arizona, but I would absolutely rather have that, you know, than to have that moist, humid heat. But you know, the other thing is if he if he insulates the space, that can really help. I mean, it's not going to drop at 10 degrees, but it will stop it from getting up to those, you know, uh, sweltering conditions. And when you do cool it, it's a little bit more effective on the inside. And especially if he does go the AC route, you got to insulate the place. Right. Oh, hey, how about ceiling fans? I wonder if he has any of those around. Just something to circulate what little bit you have. Yeah, so, that's an idea too. Yep. So fans. Fans definitely seem to be the bottom line that we're going for here. Yep. Short of AC, fans. Sweet. All right. Well, Doug, hope that helps out and definitely send us some barbecue stuff because – you know, yes. I hate to say it, but my, the best barbecue place we had around here just closed because apparently Muskegon's all steakhouses. Oh, <laughs> oh, you know what? You just reminded me of something. I Speaking of this whole grill thing, and I'm just going to continue to completely change the direction of the show. That's no problem. We're all about we, tangents here. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm relatively new to grilling. I mean, I've, I've cooked out and, and grilled out as much as, you know, the average person does, but I've never really gotten big into it. I've made ribs once or twice before, but I'm a huge, huge fan of ribs. And I usually go to Famous Dave's Barbecue around here. That's the one that just closed on us. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I saw Bummer. your birthday picture, and I'm like, that's Famous Dave's. I know the, I know those aprons anywhere. I know all that stuff. Oh, <laughs> what a bummer, dude. I mean, that their, their ribs are so delicious that I, I even when I went there and I, I was talking to Nicole about it, I said, you know, I don't even want to try and make ribs at home anymore because these, these are good. I mean, the, <laughs> that's right. You know, once you find the best, I mean, are you really going to try and duplicate it or outdo it? So I figure I'll stick to, you know, fish, chicken, some steaks. I'll, I'll keep it simple at home. Well, of course, you know, my mom had a couple of, uh, you know, big um, racks of ribs that she was like, oh, let's, let's cook these up. So I gave it a shot. Now, mind you, this is the third thing that I've cooked on on this particular new grill, <laughs> and I just ruined it. Oh I, no! <laughs> I mean, I had like six people waiting for dinner, and I took you know brought them in, and I'm not even going to get into the details, but they were not cooked enough at first. Uh, the rub that I used, I just used a recipe online that was supposed to be supposed to be the same <laughs> recipe that they use at Famous Dave's. Uh huh. And this crap was so salty. It was so bad. And uh, so then I had to put everything back on the grill. And, of course, since I had done the barbecue sauce in the last, you know, two or three minutes of cooking, um, I put it back on the grill. And what happens? The barbecue sauce chars and burns oh. and brought it back in with the opposite problem. So it was probably the worst dinner I ever made. Oh, so, man. Yeah, I felt really bad for the family. But, you know. That's what happens when you're learning. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's all about experiences. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you know what? It's just like woodworking. I can't expect to 
to do it overnight, you know, and to be good at it overnight, I'm going to have to practice and, and learn and read and get as much info as I can so that I could, uh, I could be the grill whisperer. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Either that or maybe get a job at Famous Dave's and just start stealing the recipe. <laughs> maybe they'll let me be an intern, you know? Oh, there you go. I could be a summer intern or something. Sweet. Yeah. You know, we, we loved it so much that we actually started having it for Christmas dinners uh, around oh, here. It was just. So... I would do that. That's so good. Oh, yeah. So anyways, uh, I'm I'm still envious that you have one near you. I, I, I think the closest one to me is two hours away. Damn. Uh, yeah, ours is about 45 minutes, so it's not that close, but it's it's worth the drive. I mean, I would drive 45 minutes to eat out of a garbage can lid any day. <laughs> yeah. So. Wait, wait a minute, 45 minutes away. I do that every night. So anyways. Uh, there you go. <laughs> All right. So now that my stomach is rumbling and I'm uh-huh. getting uh, a little salivating over here, let's move on <laughs> to our next email, which is uh, Stefan from, uh, I think it's New Brunswick, Canada. Uh-huh. And uh, let's see here. Uh, hi, Mark and Matt. I'm building a blanket chest out of cherry and aromatic cedar for the bottom. I usually use tongue oil for my finishes because I have a basement workshop and I don't like using anything that has a strong smell or fumes in the shop. The last chest I made, I finished the inside with a couple of coats of oil, but a year later, the smell of oil is still present. Uh, his words, not mine. Um, should I use just wax inside the chest or one coat of oil with wax? Or do you guys have an alternative that won't stink up the chest in the house? Thanks for the great podcast. Now, one thing is I, we had a similar question. At least I see it as being kind of similar. It was a couple episodes ago where there was the question about the tea box and okay. finishing the inside of it. Yes, yes, you're right. Right, and I was thinking with that one, I think we had recommended that you don't necessarily have to finish the inside of, of, the, of, of the tea box in that situation. Right. And my answer is this kind of the same with this one is I feel that there's no reason why you absolutely would have to finish the inside of this particular container. There's a lot of times mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I don't necessarily do the inside of any particular project. I've seen plenty of antiques because I'm one of those people that when I see something that I think is really neat, I, I'm that idiot that's like going over the top of like the, the velvet ropes so I can see the bottom of it, see all, you know, everything that's on there. Everybody right. else is enjoying the whole entire project. I'm trying to figure out how they built it. And so I've noticed that a lot of times there are projects where they haven't necessarily you know, finished both sides of the project. I mean it seems like with a lot of chest of drawers that I've done, I'll finish the outside, but I won't finish the inside. Sure. So the, where I'm kind of going with this is it's like one of those – I wouldn't worry about it to be honest. Um, I, you yeah. know, it, Maybe if you really feel like you need to put something on there, I could see the coat of wax. Um, I know that the smell can get really bad because I made the mistake when I built a large chest of drawers for my wife and I. Um, I I decided I was going to finish all the drawers inside and out, and I still to this day have this horrible smell from the uh, the um, the finish that I put on it, and I've been mm-hmm. kicking myself ever since. Yeah. So that's the way I kind of look at it. Is it's like one of those I don't see why you necessarily have to do it. I know there's the old the old idea that. You know, the, I think it's a, in my opinion, at least, it's an old wives' tale that if you don't do the finish on both sides, then you're going to get this warping effect and everything else. Right. But I, I don't necessarily. I've I've read several articles, and from my own experience, which isn't necessarily a lot, but from my own experience, I haven't had that problem. And so I say, don't don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. if you don't want to do the inside because you're afraid of the the smell and everything. I say skip that whole part. Sure, just go right to the enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, just go <laughs> stuff some blankets in the chest. Um, right. I, I definitely can't disagree with that. I think if, you know, he doesn't want to finish it at all, that's certainly an option. Two things that I would recommend that he look into, uh, water-based poly mm-hmm. and shellac. 
Okay. So if, if he does want to do a finish on the interior for whatever his reasons might be, both of those will not retain an odor. Um, they will pretty much not even smell the day after, and they're not that aromatic. Uh, shellac, you have that alcohol smell, but I personally like that smell, even though <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to really like take it all in. But it's, yeah. um, It smells like a lot of the clothes we get back from the bar anyway, so we're all set. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyway, yeah, neither one of those will – uh, impart an odor to the materials that are going into the blanket chest. And um, they, like I said, they won't even smell the day after you apply the finish, but will still give you some uh, protection from stains and protection. Uh, and of, of course, evening out the finish on both sides, whether or not that's really going to be an issue in a blanket chest is, you know, remains to be seen. So um, yeah, I think I would, I would just add those to your answer. So, uh, three viable options for him. Sweet. You know, I, once with that, that water-based polyurethane, actually that when I did that chest of drawer for my wife and I, that's what I ended up using. And that's what gave me this really bad smell. Made me start thinking that maybe there was something actually wrong with the wood that I had used because I'd used it in the past, the water, hmm. water-based, you know, polyurethane. And I never yeah. had that problem before. But for whatever reason, we have this occasional, you know, maybe I think at this point now that my wife and I just happen to notice it just because it's, you know, been there. Nobody else has complained. I mean, we're not the stinky yeah. Vanderlist. So, it's, well, stinky we are, but. <laughs> Wasn't that your name in uh, in grade school? No, there was one that was stinky worse than Vanderlist? that. And I, I still, I, I shudder <laughs> when I think about it. <laughs> uh, I, sh- I shouldn't have brought it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got to go it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have, I have a number for a good psychiatrist if you need one. Thanks. Yeah, definitely email me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, you know what? I think this brings us to the the pinnacle of the show, what everybody's been waiting for and what they've apparently fast-forwarded to. Oh, my and thought of the would, day. Uh, uh, yes, Matt's thought of the day. Uh, I don't think, so we're okay. Let's go ahead. <laughs> okay, that was easy. Uh, I think we have a winner to select here, randomly, of course. Yep, absolutely. So... Do you want to do the honor or shall I? Uh, well, let me shake it and I'll pass it to you and, and you can shake it. Okay. That was me shaking. Okay. Uh, and here you go. You can shake it up. Hey, you actually have something to shake. I was making that up. Actually, that was my teeth. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just chewing on some M&Ms. That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's let's see who's the who's the lucky winner. Okay, well, our first lucky winner of the Highland Woodworking Wood Slicer Bandsaw Blade is Barry Johnson. Congratulations, Yay! Barry! Yay, wow, this Barry. is great. You know and. Actually, the funny thing is uh, when we received this email, uh, he's, you know, his uh, little comment was promo, show me the blade. And then in his email, he says, save yourself the trouble of picking a winner and send the blade directly to. So nice. uh, we just want everybody to know we didn't do it simply because Barry told us to. I swear we did <laughs> randomly draw this. We were uh, scared. Yeah. It was he, intimidating. Yeah. He, oh, he actually is kind of scared because you know what I'm noticing? Maybe you know where this is, but he says he's from Ewing, New Jersey. Ewing, New Jersey. I am very familiar with Ewing. I um, actually lived about 15 minutes from Ewing in Trenton. And uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time in Ewing. Oh, you New Jersey boys kind of scare me once in a while. So again, though, that's not another reason why we drew Barry. Barry just happened to be the very, very lucky winner. But we will be continuing these drawings. We're going to do one a month. So if you got your name in already... Hey, there's another opportunity that you can win, you know, one of these great bandsaw blades. Um, and if you now, haven't if, entered yet. Yeah, well, if, they, if they've submitted their name, are they in for good now? Is that how we're going to do this, you think? Yeah, I think we could do that. I mean, it's, it's definitely in there. And... Cool. Okay. Yeah. Very good. And what, what will Barry have to do now to get his blade? 
Oh, let's see. Let's come up with something really good. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll just contact Barry and <laughs> let him know that he's the winner, and then uh, we'll go ahead and fast. We'll fast forward. We'll forward that to uh, the fine folks over at Highland Woodworking, and then they'll they will contact Barry from there. So first you okay. get to hear from us, and then you get to hear from them. Cool. And hey, they're a good company, and uh, check out their website. They've got a lot of good products there, including these fantastic bandsaw blades. And in fact, you know, I think I need to. Uh, order one myself my uh my blade on my my big powermatic bandsaw is is about shot now so it's time for an for an upgrade and i think a wood slicer would uh would do me quite nicely definitely is that from the metal that you were cutting or the ribs yeah it's from <laughs> me cutting up the ribs yeah, it's cutting up uh you know 100 board feet of wengi which is no fun oh so. yeah Definitely. and it was the stock blade to begin with so it wasn't like it was uh too good of a quality but anywho i have to go read up on my barbecue so i don't burn my family's dinner anymore (laughs) yeah and i've got to go save my family from a very angry mother right now apparently the kids when i came home there was water tracks all over the place from being in the pool and being the good dad that i was i just ignored them and went straight for the basement so (laughs) that's what you gotta do what you gotta do man that's right at least you're you're under control all right brother i think we uh, got another show in the bag and we'll uh we will reconvene in about uh maybe a week and a half to two weeks sounds good man all right take care you too talk to you later